Well, good morning, everybody. Hello. It's so good to be with you all this morning. As Gary said, my name is Caleb Ghani. I'm the pastoral intern here. Um, as many of you know, I came on staff uh, in late October, and my time here has been incredible. I've really been enjoying working here and just being a part of this church uh, body, and I've loved every second of just being a part of this church. I have met so many incredible uh, people and people who've welcomed me here with open arms. Um, I'm very thankful for that. And I get so excited to come on Sunday mornings to, to be with everybody, to be with you all. Um, it truly feels like coming to a big family reunion every single Sunday morning where we get to, to come together and, and worship our Heavenly Father. And um, Yeah, I get to come and see the incredible people and worship with incredible people. And yeah, it, it's just truly good to be with you all this morning. Uh, yeah, so today we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can open them now and get ready for that. If you do not have a Bible, uh, there's Bibles at the Connect table just outside the doors here. And if you don't uh, own a Bible, then please consider this one a gift uh, from us to you that you can take home with you and keep and keep bringing here consistently, hopefully. Uh, I want to say that this is not a Valentine's Day sermon. I don't know if you saw the post on social media. Um, this is not a Valentine's Day sermon. I do see the irony of preaching on the love chapter uh, the Sunday after Valentine's Day. Um, and we'll get into why it's not a Valentine's Day sermon in just a little bit, but let me pray and we can get started. God, I just thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity that we get to, to be here as a family, as your family, as your children. Um, God, I pray that you would, yeah, you would just steady my heart, that you would um, speak through me, that you would work in me, uh, God, today and also through me, and um, that our hearts as your children would be prepared um, for the word that you have for us this morning. Um, yeah, I just thank you for this opportunity that we get to be together uh, and worship you, and I pray that we would just grow in our knowledge and love for you this morning, Jesus, and I pray this in the name of Jesus, amen. So before we dive on into the chapter here, we need to understand the context of where we're at a little bit. So the context of 1 Corinthians 13 is uh, that we're sandwiched right between 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. And if you know 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, you know that they're two of the biggest chapters on the gifts of the Spirit. They discuss the supernatural gifts that we receive when the Holy Spirit uh, comes into our lives, which of course is the moment that we uh, are accepted into this family of Jesus, that we become his children, um, that we are born again. So the, the context of 1 Corinthians 13 is spiritual gifts. And that is why this is not a Valentine's Day sermon. We often like to associate this passage with uh, romance and, and weddings and Valentine's Day and write it on our cards. And that isn't a bad thing. I'm not here to, to knock you if you did that uh, this past Monday. Um, Emily and I actually had this passage used at our wedding. If you were there or not, um, we had it kind of staggered on these wooden boards uh, that stretched down the aisle that Emily walked down. Um, so it's not a bad thing, and I'm not knocking if you if you did that or do that. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful passage, and it speaks quite eloquently on love. So it's not a bad thing to use it for love, for, for romance, or Valentine's Day, or weddings, but we have to be careful when 
uh, we're using this chapter when this, this passage, and we have to remember the proper context of the passage, which it's not romance, but is spiritual gifts. First Corinthians uh, as a whole is a letter written by Paul, um, essentially calling out the church for their sins and false beliefs. And there were a lot of sins and false beliefs. And throughout the entire book, we see Paul calling out the church for uh, divisions within the church, for declaring false gospels, for sexual immorality, for brothers and sisters. They were calling each other to court and suing each other over issues that could have easily been dealt with privately or even within the church. Uh, being called out for skewed understandings of what marriage is and what is allowed inside of a marriage, uh, for false ideas on food sacrificed to idols and for idolatry. And then after all that, we get to 12, 13, and 14, where Paul is calling out the church for their pride and their arrogance. The church had uh, kind of been fighting, arguing about what gifts were better or more important than the other gifts. They had been uh, boasting or bragging about their own spiritual gifts over those of the others, and they thought that their spiritual gifts were higher or holier. That wasn't the case. The purpose of 1 Corinthians 13, the big picture here, is Paul kind of putting the hammer down on the church of Corinth and trying to humble them trying to show them that no gift is better than the other, and without love, that their gifts are actually useless. Though today our focus isn't quite going to be on the gifts themselves either. Have you ever asked yourself, why is love so important? I think it's on the screen there. We talk about love a lot. And I think we probably even talk about love more than you or I even uh, comprehend or, or acknowledge. How many times do you think a day you say, I love you, to someone? Or how many times have you ever said, I love this? Whether that be about something, whether it be a, a movie or a book, uh, your phone, or if you're like me, maybe it's a really good burger. Man, I love a really good burger. Love seems to be woven into our daily lives, the relationships that we have, even who we are. I read that the, in the ESV translation, the word love is mentioned 552 times throughout 506 different verses. So why is love so important? Though this is not a Valentine's Day sermon, it is very much about love. Today, we're going to try to answer the question of why is love so important? And we're going to look at what Paul says about love and our relationship to it. In one, our need for love. Two, our use of love. Three, our hope in love. And four, our confidence in God's love. If you have your Bibles ready, please read with me in 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of the angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, 
but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now, we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. So number one, our need for love. Look with me at verses one to three. Paul begins the chapter in these first three verses uh, with some very bold statements. You can almost hear him saying, you guys, what on earth are you doing? He's saying, if I can speak in all tongues of, of men and of angels, if there wasn't a language out there that I couldn't speak, but didn't have love, I would be nothing but a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Now, we don't really have gongs in our culture in, in uh, North America, so to put it in a way that we might better understand, have you ever heard a kid try to play the drums for the first time? Or maybe listen to someone who thinks they might be coordinating but really quite aren't, and they try to play the drums a little bit? It's kind of annoying. It's actually quite awful, and it gets me a little angry just talking about it. But that's what Paul is talking about here. Even if I speak in every language known to heaven or earth, if I'm speaking without love, I'm just annoying. He then says, if I had prophetic powers and could understand all mystery and all knowledge, if I could understand the Trinity, the way that God is the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and could explain it to you perfectly, and if I had so much faith that I could go up to a mountain and I could tell it to jump off the ground, and it actually jumped off of the ground, but I didn't have love, then I'm nothing. I actually take away from my worth and my value. And we'll get into that a little bit more when we get to verse 13. Then he says, Forget about the loud and the flashy for a second. Forget about these gifts that you're all bragging and boasting about having. If I have those gifts that people aren't bragging about, if I give everything that I have to the poor, if I give myself up as a martyr to be burned at the stake, but I don't have love, I really haven't gained anything. It's worthless. 
I think for King and Country captures the point here really well. They sing, if I give to a needy soul, but don't have love, then who is poor? It seems all the poverty is found in me. We have an incredible need for love. This April will mark one year since I graduated from Bible college. I have a bachelor degree in religious education. Uh, if you don't know what that means, it actually just means I, I know a little bit about a lot of things. I, lo- I loved my, my time in Bible school, and it, it, was, it was really amazing. I learned a lot, and I made so many great friends. Um, but I think the number one thing that I learned in my time in Bible school was that Bible college students know everything. Oh, it's true. You didn't know that? Yeah, we, we know everything, and, and we love to fight about everything. Since we know everything, but have different opinions on virtually every single subject out there uh, than everyone else, and they're, they're wrong, and they need to know what I have to say because I know everything. I'm, jo- I'm joking, of course, but we can actually believe this. I don't, I don't know why. But we can believe this, and we can believe that no one else knows anything, and that we know everything. So we argue, and we get angry. And there's no room for love because there's so much anger. For real, though, the thing that I think I actually learned most in my time at Bible school was this. Was Paul, what Paul is trying to show the Corinthians in these first three verses. That there's no point without love. That there's no sense in arguing or being proud. And that my gifts are useless without love. So that brings us to our point number two, our use of love. Look back with me at verses four to seven. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist in its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Now, this has to be one of the most famous passages, if not the most famous passage in the entire world. We love to put this quote up on our walls. We love to hang it in picture frames. And I I can't tell you how many pillows I've seen with this passage stitched to the face. People love this passage, and and they love to use it at weddings. Again, I'm not knocking that. Emily and I use it in the decorations of our wedding. But people love this passage. And I think at least one of the reasons that everybody loves this passage is because it seems so beautiful and thoughtful. It really seems quite lovely. Remember, though, we have to consider the context of this passage. The context of this passage is Paul calling out the church for their sin, challenging them to be humble. The Corinthians were boasting and bragging about their spiritual gifts, and Paul was trying to show them that spiritual gifts are nothing without love. So it would seem that this passage really isn't all that lovely. These verses actually turn out to be rather harsh. 
So what is Paul doing here? In the middle of correcting the church for their sin and bad theology, what is he doing trying to describe love? Paul gives this description of love to the church as sort of an inventory checklist. Now, what do I mean by that? How could this description of love be an inventory checklist? Well, uh, during my time in my later years of high school, I worked at a tree farm. Now, this, this wasn't a Christmas tree farm, um, and it wasn't one of those stores where you could kind of walk in and, you know, buy a tree in a pot and bring it home and plant it. We planted seedlings, um, and then we, we took care of them and we grew them. And then when the tree was about, you know, three or four inches wide and, you know, 10 feet tall, uh, you know, we dig them up with something that's called a spade truck, and we put them in a burlap basket and load them in a, a big truck with our big cranes, and we go plant them in yards or schools or wherever the client wanted them. And we even planted big, uh, like, oak trees and willow trees that were 10 or 15 years old and trees that you really thought couldn't be moved again, but we somehow did. Um, and a lot of my job was just sitting on a tractor or a lawnmower and taking care of the grounds, uh, weeding the fields and picking rocks. But I actually really enjoyed my job here because I got to know a lot about plants and trees, and I got to learn how to care for them and uh, prune them. But one part of my weekly duties was to go through the farm and take inventory of what we had. I would take my inventory checklist from the last update that we had, and I would check the fields for what we had or didn't have or what had died or what was moved. Paul is giving this description of love to the church so that they can use it as an inventory checklist, not to check their fields or their farms, but to check their lives and their hearts. Paul was giving this as something tangible, something that they can actually read as we did this morning and go through and compare what they saw in their own lives and their own hearts. In his book, Be Wise, uh, a volume in his very popular B series, Warren Wearsby makes a comparison between what we read here in 1 Corinthians 13 and the list of the fruit of the Spirit that uh, we'll get to go through later with Pastor Brian in Galatians 5. The purpose of the list of the fruit of the Spirit was for people to be able to look at their own lives and ask, am I showing those fruit in my life? If someone looks in at my life or if I look at my own heart, is it evident that that fruit is there? If the Holy Spirit is living and active in our lives, then we're going to be able to see these fruits of the Spirit. And the purpose for this description of love that Paul gives us is really no different. If the Holy Spirit is living and active in my life, that I'm going to be able to see these attributes, attributes of love come out. And people are going to be able to see these attributes of love in my life. And I'm going to be able to search my heart and find them, hopefully. So if love is patient, then we can ask ourselves, am I patient? If we now have the Holy Spirit in our lives, we're going to see progress in our patience since before we were saved. And we can go through this entire list, verses 4 to 7, asking ourselves this question, 
and searching our hearts for the answer. Do I insist in my own way? Do I rejoice at wrongdoing? How about if love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things, then do I? Because I should, right? To sum up verses 4 to 7 in one question, it would be, is it evident that the Holy Spirit is living and active in my life? Because it should be. And if it's not, then I have to ask myself what's going on and I need to reevaluate some things. So we've established our need for love in verses 1 to 3. We just looked at our use of love in verses 4 to 7. And now we're going to try and find our hope in love in verses 8 to 12. Point number three, our hope in love. Now we often like to add the beginning of verse 8 to the end of verse 7. Sometimes it reads, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. I'm sure that you all heard that somewhere at some point in your life. But when we remove 8 from the rest of it, 8a from, the, from verse 8, we're actually removing the foundation for the rest of the chapter. Verses 9 to 12 kind of hinge on love never ending. Look at it again with me and try to think about love never ending as the foundation for the rest of the verses. As for prophecies, they will pass. But guess what? Love never ends. As for tongues, they will cease. Yeah, but love never ends. As for knowledge, it will pass away. That's okay. Because love never ends. Love never ends. And that is the hope that we have. Verse 9 to 12 say, For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up my childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. These gifts that we've been given, they're partial. They're not a part of the full picture. They're part of something, and that something is imperfect. They're only here until something perfect comes. Now, when talking about this passage, we have to ask ourselves, what is the purpose of spiritual gifts, right? Our context is still 12 and 14, so our context is still spiritual gifts. So we have to ask ourselves, what is the purpose of these spiritual gifts? And the answer to that isn't actually too hard to find. It's just in the next chapter. 1 Corinthians 14, 12 says, So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestation of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. So the answer, the purpose of spiritual gifts, is to build up the church. Or you could say work hard in edifying the body. Building up God's people. 
The reason the Holy Spirit gives us these gifts is so that we can bless one another, that we can bless the church. It's not for self-gain. It's not to make myself look good. We don't have our gifts so that we can build up a multi-million dollar empire that can serve us for the rest of our lives. Our worship team isn't here every week playing for themselves so that they can listen to themselves sound good. That's not why they're here. Pastor Brian doesn't show up every Sunday, except for every fourth Sunday, to preach so that he can make himself feel tall or big. I'm not here preaching just to show you how much I know, because believe me, it's not a lot. The point of me preaching today, the point of the worship band coming out every week, the point that the Spirit gave you your gifts is to edify the body. It's to serve God's people. It's so that we can serve each other. The Church of Canada, the Church of the World. But here's the thing. See, one day, there's not going to be a need for these gifts anymore. When I die, which will happen one day, I will no longer need to be edified by spiritual gifts. Because I'll be face to face with our Lord and Savior, our Creator. So there's nothing that the church can do to edify me anymore. I will have everything that I need. When we're in heaven, we will have everything that we need. So these gifts, they're for a time. They're not needed forever. I really like the way that the NLT translates these verses. I think they put it very bluntly, and I actually really appreciate that. The NLT reads, Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless. But love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, And even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. Now, I don't know if you've ever looked at these verses before. There is some discussion on what these verses mean. Um, It's saying that these gifts are going to stop when the perfect comes. There's usually a debate over uh, what this perfect thing is. But we're not really going to touch that debate today. We're not really going to go near it. um, Because it doesn't really truly matter what that perfect thing is. No matter what you believe or where you stand on these verses, at the end of the day, these gifts are here for a time. They're not eternal. When we're in heaven, when I die, and I'm with our Lord and Savior, there will be no need for spiritual gifts. But love never ends, right? These gifts are here for a time, but love is eternal. When we get to heaven, there will be no need for gifts. They won't matter, but the love that we have with our Lord and Savior in heaven, that is what matters. In this, we find our hope in love. And that brings us to our last point today. Point number four, our confidence in God's love. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. When we get to this verse, 
The big question that we're left with is why is love greater than faith and hope? Faith, hope, and love are all essential parts to the Christian walk. So why would love be the greatest? And it always boils down to God's love. No matter what way you look at it or come at it or shine a light on it, it boils back down to God's love. You see, we need faith and hope to love. These things, they fuel love. And they're an essential part of it. They fuel love because we put our faith in God. We put our hope in God. And when we have faith, we're going to be able to love better. When we find our hope, we're going to be able to love better. So since we put our faith and hope in God, then love is naturally going to be the greatest of these because God is love. God is love. And God's love, it goes beyond my faith. God's love goes beyond my ability to hope. It goes beyond my ability to love. And this is where we find our identity. This is where we find our worth. Earlier in verses 1 to 3, I said, if I try to use my gifts without love, then I actually take away from my value. Just like that noisy gong or those kids trying to play the drums, I do not add anything. And even more than that, I actually take away from my worth. Now, this is a very bold statement, and I understand that. I do not make it lightly. Our worth and value come from God's love and God's love alone. If I use my gifts without love, then I put my, my worth in myself. However, if I use my gifts in God's love, then I put my worth in God and not myself. My worth does not come from anything that I can do. It does not come from my wit or my humor as much as I wish it did. My worth is not found in how well I do my job or even how well I preach the sermon. My worth is not found in my gifts and how I use them, but in God's love. If we try to use our gifts without love, we're missing the point. We're missing our worth. Our worth is found in God's love. And the value of our gifts is found in God's love. When I love in my own love, in my own strength, there's definitely things that I, I could do, right? If I'm loving in my own strength, I could probably donate money to a charity. I could probably give a meal to a homeless person. There's, there's things that I could do in my own love. But when I love with God's love, the possibilities are endless. And I can actually save a life. I can change someone's life for eternity. Now, the other reason that love is the greatest of these three is because like spiritual gifts, faith and hope are for a time. They're here for a purpose. But when we're in heaven with Jesus, there is not going to be a need for, these, for this faith and hope. We put our faith in God and trust him every day until we're with him forever. We put our hope in being with our Lord in heaven for eternity. So when that hope is fulfilled and we're there, we'll not need to hope anymore. But love 
never ends. Love is eternal. Our love with our Father and his love for us will last forever. It will never end. And this is where we find our confidence in God's love. We find our confidence in God's love in two ways. The first way is that it's not up to us. It's not up to me. It's not up to you. You see, God's love is much greater than my love. And in his love, there are endless possibilities of what can be done. So it's not up to me. It can't be up to me. I cannot do it because my love is not enough. My love is not enough to have patience for my neighbor who is throwing a party and their music is still blaring at 11 p.m. when I'm trying to sleep. My love is not enough when I'm trying to merge onto the Champlain Bridge to get home in Quebec and someone cuts me off and I have to wait another light to get onto the bridge. My love is not enough. But God's love is enough. So it's not up to me. The weight doesn't lie on my shoulders. Now, I'm not saying that the answer is to lay idle and wait until God shows up and does something incredible. We still need to get up every day, and we still need to put in the effort. But we can trust that God's love is enough. You can kind of think about it like making a phone call, if you will. To make a phone call, I have to pick up my phone, to dial my number, and I have to press call. But the actual phone call, there's nothing I can do to make the phone call, right? Unless I'm yelling at my neighbor through the window, there's nothing I can actually do to make the phone call go through the towers and wires and signals. I don't really know how a phone call works, but that's because it's not up to me. And in the same way, I still have to get up every morning. I still have to put an effort into love. But the weight isn't on me. It's up to God, and I can put my trust in God's love. And the second way that we find our confidence in God's love is that it is eternal. Eternal, it means forever. Love never ends, right? So we put our faith in God, and we trust him to take care of us, look after us, because our love is not enough. And we put our hope in his love, Because this world can get dark and grim. It can get scary and things don't go to plan. And if we put our hope in this world or in ourselves or in people, I can tell you right now we're going to be sincerely disappointed. But God's love is eternal. Meaning that no matter what happens, no matter what changes your weekend, no matter how scary the world gets, or how broken I feel inside, God's love is always, always going to be there. And it gets better. When we're in his family, when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we confess our sins that Jesus actually rose from the dead, then we're in his family forever. We're inside of that never-ending love, and nobody can do anything to change that. I have good news today. I have good news for you and for me. This eternal love, this love that never ends, God's love, it's for you. It's a gift. And you can receive this love today. 
This love is, is not just for you if you've already accepted Jesus into your life or if you're already a part of his family, if you already have a personal relationship with him, if you don't know Jesus today, this love is for you. And on the flip side, this love isn't just for you if you don't know Jesus. If you're here today and you know you have a relationship with Jesus, if you're watching online and you know you have put your faith in Jesus, this love is still for you. We never stop needing the love, the eternal love of Jesus. So if you know in your heart that you need this love, if you have never committed to a relationship with Jesus, or you have but you know that you need this love today, Come talk to me or to Pastor Brian or one of the elders that are here. We would love to hear your story and get a chance to pray with you. If you're online, give me an email. Give the church admin an email and uh, we'll connect with you. We never stop needing God's love. Let me pray. God, thank you so much for today. I thank you for this chance that we get today to worship you, to know your love, God. I pray that we would grow in your love evermore each day, that we would never stop needing your love, God, that there would be never a day that we have decided that we are too good or too perfect for your love. God, I pray that if there's someone today in this room or someone watching this video, God, that your love would shine on them, that they would see the need for your love, God, and that you would stir in their hearts that they would accept your love. God, I pray that we would go today in your love, in the confidence of your love, knowing that it can't be up to me, it can't be up to us, because our love is not enough. God, that we would go in the, in the trust, in the faith, and the hope that your love is enough until we're home with you forever. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.